Welcome to Healthcare is Human, a monthly podcast featuring authentic storytelling and healthcare with your host, Dr. Ryan McCarthy. Welcome to Healthcare is Human. I'm Ryan McCarthy. In this episode of the podcast, we sit down and have an extended conversation with Colleen Cradle, a therapist who's been working throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Colleen is gracious enough to allow us to step into her office where she shares her pandemic story with us that starts with in-person therapy that she was very much used to, and needless to say, that was disrupted in March 2020 with the arrival of COVID-19. Colleen takes us through the difficult transition that she made from in-person therapy to telemedicine, and the difficulties that went with that, both for her and for her clients. She takes us through uh, some of the ways that she discovered some of the good things about it, and also some of the difficult things that come from speaking with somebody remotely on a computer. Come with me as we climb up the stairs to the second floor uh, where her office is, And like many buildings in downtown Martinsburg, Colleen's office is located in a cute red brick building. It's impossible to miss because it's right next to a great Thai restaurant on Burke Street in downtown Martinsburg. So I'm sitting here this uh, this morning and I'm on uh, West Burke Street here in Martinsburg and I'm talking to... Colleen Cradle with Be Well Counseling Services. And Colleen, do you want to tell our listeners what you have been doing in the past year? Well, um, I am owner of a counseling agency and I have been attempting to meet the needs of the uh, community as far as mental health concerns, meeting with people individually for counseling services. We've done some groups, done some presentations, um, and just trying to help community as best we can uh, during this past year. So. Yeah, now needless to say, um, none of us saw the pandemic coming, right. and so your your professional life was upended. Mm-hmm. Um, take me through a typical day before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You would just look at, hey, I'm going to do the following things. What would they be? Well, I would be uh, basically meeting with five, six, sometimes seven clients a day. I would be seeing them in person. They'd come in for the session. They'd leave after the hour, and you know, in-person sessions, and they would go home. So I was meeting with them individually for um, counseling services. I also um, began hiring other therapists. So I was also managing a therapist at the time who Mm -hmm. was also seeing her own clients in the office. And um, of course, all the many things that come with owning a business, you know, marketing, managing, all of that kind of thing as well. So you know, so obviously, uh, all of our routines were disrupted, mm-hmm. and so your professional skill set was the routine of I greet somebody, they mm-hmm. come in, we kind of, I mean, was mm-hmm. that a whole part of? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, seeing people in person, there's, you know, first of all, you're in person, you're able to see the entire face greet them with a smile, you know, there's a whole um, energy that comes when you are meeting with people in person and um, being able to hand someone a tissue, (laughs) you know, when they're upset, Um, small things like that and and also bigger things, but that you that you were able to do for your clients And, and holding space is basically what we do for our clients when they're 
going through difficult times. So I, the physical space just became very different um, after the pandemic hit. But prior to that, that was just part of um, what we just kind of naturally did as our jobs. It was just, you know. And, and so at the first part of the pandemic, when all of us were shocked, mm-hmm. surprised, mm-hmm. reeling with what am I going to do, mm-hmm. did what were your first thoughts of, am I going to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. And if so, how are we going to be able to do it? Take us back to your initial thoughts of, hey, what, what do we do to meet the needs? Yeah. Um, well, my clients were first and foremost, uh, as well as my family, you know, um, trying to figure out. I have three kids at home. And so that was a piece of um, my life then and trying to figure out that. But as far as uh, the office, I knew I did not want to uh, continue to see people in person. I knew telehealth was going to be coming into this somehow. I did some research, talked with, and got support from other mental health uh, clinicians who were talking about going to telehealth, who already had. Actually, California was a little bit ahead of us in this wave. And, you know, so I was picking up some information there, and I really just got a lot of support from other people who had already started doing telehealth and then I despite wanting to be in the physical space with my clients I also knew that I wanted to make sure they were safe and that I was safe and that we were following all the protocols and uh, CDC guidelines so I knew that uh, we had to shift somehow in order to make sure that they could still be seen and uh, in a safe and um, conscientious way when when you first got started, mm-hmm. um, in the in, you know all of us in healthcare fumbled through the beginning of mm-hmm. hey how do we do this? Yeah, uh, what were the initial things that did not work well? Where you're mm-hmm. like your initial frustrations are like oh my gosh, this is madness because of what? I would say finding a platform for telehealth uh, that was a struggle, and technology. Uh, it you know. It's still, to this day, I'm doing a good bit of telehealth, and it's it's just hit or miss. Some people don't have signal, they, you know, and they're not used to um, being on the computer for their sessions either, so there's a lot of technical things that come in the way, and that hour after hour of telehealth was exhausting because you're just in front of the screen and sitting in a chair, and uh, which, as we know, is not the <laughs> most beneficial uh, thing for our bodies, but it was really just um, that technical piece, getting used to the screen versus the holding the space in the physical, physical office. And while that was going on, was there a moment where you had an encounter with a patient where something mm-hmm. happened or where you suddenly went, wait a minute, mm-hmm. hey... We have just done something that would not have happened if we had not. Mm-hmm. What were some of those first moments where you're like, holy cow, there is actually, I don't want to say a silver lining to any of right. this, but hey, mm-hmm. we now have the following capability. Yeah, so as I started, maybe like a few weeks in, I started to realize that this was in a way a gift, you're, you know, because it brought some intimacy to the session that hadn't been there before, whereas I was literally able to see their home and they were able to see my home because I was sometimes working from home. I would go to the office when I could, but for a little while there I was home and they could, you know, hear my dog barking <laughs> and they, and I could hear theirs. And often I'd see their cat crossing the screen. Well, in the office, we never would have seen that or had that experience. So it was 
just um, got to know each other in a different way. And I think that humanized me to them and uh, definitely gave me a different perspective uh, that I probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I hear about their cats or I hear about their kids, but they were actually coming <laughs> into session sometimes. So that was a silver lining because I, you know, it just changed a little bit of that dynamic. And with that happening, um, I mean, did you feel like you got to more personal levels quickly? Um, yeah, I do think so. I think when people come into the office, there is some kind of buttoning up and, you know, putting on, well, a mask, but, you know. Um, and when they were in their home, maybe feeling more comfortable and maybe more relaxed and authentic. Some people didn't feel so comfortable. I have some clients who confidentiality is an issue and they had to go to their car or they had, you know, so it wasn't always a great thing in that sense, but, um, yeah, it, it definitely gave people, uh, that, I, I don't know if it would happen more quickly, but it was different. I, it was, I just sure. say it was different, not better or worse, but. And, and as technology settled in, you know, the pand mm -hmm. pandemic is obviously a process and we mm -hmm. all went through stages and phases mm -hmm. and we accepted some things and tried on some new things like masks and then yeah. various habits. And, mm -hmm. um, did you find that as we, the summer became the fall of 2020 mm -hmm. as society here in West Virginia just accepted mm -hmm. certain things were going to be done remotely. Mm -hmm. Did you get into a flow that seemed undoable at the beginning? Yes, uh, it did start as things kind of went on and you realize this isn't ending soon. This is going to be a lot longer than we anticipated. There was amount, a certain amount of acceptance and actually um, clients I have to say enjoys the telehealth sessions because they don't have to travel. It cuts down. They can do it on their lunch hour. They can do it in planning time. You know, like it's um, a little bit more flexible and it became more flexible for me. I could, you know, be more flexible as far as my time. And so, and then it did start to feel just what we were going to do. It just felt more normal. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that that wasn't feeling um, normal was the amount of referrals that we were really getting. And uh, I have to say, of course, we got a lot of referrals in May, June. It just I was I was I guess surprised with how many continued to come, and the increase in in the referrals was kind of not truly surprising because of everything going on, but it was something I noticed. And so when you see that was a little surprising, mm -hmm. when you found that people were, they were coming for more therapy or mm -hmm. staying longer. Yes. And some who had been my clients before were coming back. Yeah. And thinking about the mental health of, of your clients, I mean, mm -hmm. were, were there clear clusters of, of things mm -hmm. that, and what, what were, what were some of those issues and, and themes mm -hmm. that you started to detect? Let's, um, let's stay in summer to fall. Well, the teachers, uh, summer to fall, because they were, there was question about going back to school and who was going to be virtual and who wasn't. And there's so much uncertainty in the fall. And I just, the teachers and students, parents of students, you know, all, all of the group that was affected by school and the choices that parents had to make really stuck out to me probably because I was going through the same thing. 
you know um, that's what's interesting here is as a mental health person we often aren't usually aren't going through the same in, as any healthcare you know worker you're not going through the same thing as your as your patient or your client and we were and so that was kind of something that I noticed is something different with this year but you know I think that we had um, grief um, from obviously sickness and deaths but also from the loss of what life was or you know what was normal and then we have um, some collective trauma that we are all still dealing with I think we've kind of been in shock and holding our breaths and you know I think that as things go on we're going to be seeing in the mental health community just a lot more um, trauma from what happened this past year um, and then I would also say just this level of uncertainty that everybody had and still has there's still some things that are uncertain you know so those are some themes that were coming to us with therapy of course increase in anxiety depression um, suicidal thoughts uh, we have an increase just in the severity of all these, you know, and, and our clients that we already had, and then people reaching out. And then substance abuse also has been, you know, just really increasing as through, through the year. So, in addition to some of those things, mm -hmm. um, did you find that there was also people trying to the concept of ambiguous loss? Hmm where you mentioned mm -hmm. things that are very specific. Hey, I lost somebody, mm -hmm. my mom died, or hey, my job has changed. Those are very mm -hmm. discreet and distinct. Mm -hmm. but when you talk about uncertainty and then how life had been different, mm -hmm. um, I've talked to a lot of people recently about ambiguous loss. Mm -hmm. Hey, something has changed. I've lost something, something, somebody, but it's not entirely just as black and white. Exactly. Yeah. And that's Can you say a little bit about that. Sure, sure. And it's hard to put your finger on it. And sometimes people will come and say, just I just need help navigating and I don't know why. And it just feels like I, I used to I used to be able to handle A, B, and C and now I can't. Or sometimes even just in scheduling things, you'll see people like not ready to plan or schedule because they had did lose things in the past, like had to cancel vacations or, you know, even dance recitals, all, all these normal things we had to cancel and that we lost in that whole year. Now I think people are feeling a little bit hesitant to, you know, plan for what's coming, you know, whatever those events might be now that things are opening up a little bit more, but that ambiguous losses, uh, it's just kind of, um, it's the grief that isn't so black and white that people aren't able to see as grief because oh well I didn't lose somebody you know and but it is uh, still any grief is any um, any expectation that you had for how life was gonna go it's in losing that that can be grief you know so it's not always easy to put your finger on what that expectation was or and that's one thing that we really help clients with figuring out like okay well that's that's grief yeah and putting a name to it and as, as the, the fall became the cold days of the winter, mm -hmm. you know, in primary care, I always think about November is the beginning typically of um, exciting holidays, the holiday mm -hmm. corridor, but it also gets dark, it gets cold. Yeah. And, and this was a year when there wasn't anybody planning Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. The college schedule was disrupted. So, you know, when do the kids come home if you have older children? 
Christmas was, you know, so we all knew that on the front end. Mm -hmm. So what kind of things were you talking about in your office, October, November, December? Did it, did it change from the fall? Um, well, I would say it did because the schools closed again. Again, it was a lot of still uncertainty through the fall around schooling and people were having to quarantine. People were getting COVID. And so I had a lot more clients during that time who had a friend or they had COVID or, you know, so then at least locally here, I started noticing the increase in the numbers and um, the fear of getting COVID and or a family member getting COVID starting to increase. And I think that, and again, schools closed. So again, we're dealing with teachers and we started a support group around that time for uh, teachers because they were reaching out and saying, we just, this is just so hard. You know, we don't know how to navigate virtual school and how to help these students and um, the needs of the community. So, um, so we, we saw a lot of just mess, messiness. (laughs) Just all of these things, you know, it was just really, really hard and people were just trying to figure it out and everyone was just doing the best they can and we always are and it's just trying to um, navigate it in a world we just didn't know how, you know, and no one's ever done this before. So it's just trying to figure out the way forward. Of of all the people that we've interviewed, um, nobody's used the the word messiness, but um, (laughs) I hope we continue to use that because that's exactly right. Um, and when you talk about the fall and into the winter, so mm-hmm. on, on my end of things, there I am in, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. We're in, you know, eventually what became peak COVID. Yeah, yeah. And, and we knew um, as healthcare, as hospital people, uh, we knew that we were going to have this giant surge. Mm-hmm. There was this kind of entry-level thing that happened at Thanksgiving, and then we all right. thought it was going to get worse after Christmas, which it did. Now, for mm-hmm. folks that your clients that we were talking mm-hmm. to, when you talk about grief, when you talk about uncertainty, mm-hmm. at any point in your sessions were people starting to, th- to use language like, this may never end. Mm-hmm. Could, you know, could, not just life, but could, could the world be different, mm-hmm. like in perpetuity? I mean, did those things come up? Because it... Yes. Because I really wonder about that. Yeah, I think they, they definitely did for some clients. Some were really... And, and I... It's hard as a mental health therapist to say much to that because we didn't know either because we didn't have a vaccine yet. I mean, you know, and um, so there was just still so much unknown and they were just really like, I thought this was going to be over in the summer or, you know, and it's continuing and it doesn't seem to be getting better. And now the numbers are getting worse. And now, yeah, it was this, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? You know, and as a therapist, I'm usually able to offer that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll get, you know, or, and, um, and we still could find the positives and the hope, right? There's, um, it's always there, but it's, it, it became more difficult. So if, if we were to kind of get into that a little bit Mm -hmm. so you know a lot of what we're talking about is how your clients feel Mm -hmm. and what they bring to you Mm -hmm. and your skill set and all the things that you normally had were Mm -hmm. upended by the pandemic Mm -hmm. so when you found yourself struggling to think about Mm -hmm. the light at the end of the tunnel or Mm -hmm. or a path forward as a mental health professional how did you feel about Mm -hmm. that it was really difficult and I was of course dealing with my own life and my own um struggles at home with kids being virtually schooled and childcare and quarantine here, quarantine there. And, you know, it, uh, it, you just have to 
kind of check it at the door and be there for your client and um and also relate to them it's so much of it became about the relationship i think with the client instead of these tools or you know and of course we do that we give them you know their their tools and their toolbox but it also became about this relationship around like just holding space for what is and that we can't change it we can't know what's happening but you have this time and this is yours and just you know kind of rolling with with them in that so um it just kind of shifted a little bit yeah and during the difficult winter of of 2020 into 2021 Mm -hmm. um before we get to the the, what I'm going to call the, the hopeful days of the spring mm-hmm. um, yes. and, and where we are we're talking on a, a beautiful bright spring day um, things are very different than the dark days um, at any point in the, the fall to the winter did you find that as a result of the challenges that you started to do things differently to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and I've asked nurses I've asked mm-hmm. janitors I've asked uh, techs in the hospital cashiers cafeteria workers hey, how did you start to approach this mm-hmm. differently? Like, what were some of the things that you found, like, hey, I've got to do the following for me so I can show up yeah. and, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, perform. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, how so to cope with it. Yeah. So burnout is, you know, that term that we, a lot of us can relate to, especially I, this I, last I year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and therapists as well get to that point where it just, you know, day in day out how to cope with your own struggles um and i in the beginning i took as many clients as i could especially from clients that were already previous clients and i overworked and did more hours and i had to at some point just say i can't i can't see any more and i started building a wait list and also started hiring more therapists so that they could um, take some of the load off from um, all the referrals we're getting and that helped and that was part of my self-care uh, but I, I ran I exercise getting outside um, trying to really connect with people even if sometimes it was through zoom you know sure. and you know really trying to pay attention to my own self uh, I say self-care, but also, you know, what really helped me was self-compassion. I teach a lot to my clients about self-compassion and having compassion for yourself and um, and our imperfectness, you know, how we're all imperfect and we're all human. And I had to remind myself of that too. Like I can't, I can't I'm human it, and again, it is messy. This is unknown and uncertain and, and scary and uh, just, kind of knowing that I could show up and it, it, however I could show up knowing I was doing my best and having the self-compassion for myself that it was, you know, really helping my clients too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and a lot of it just comes down to walking my talk, right? I talked to my clients about doing all these things. I just, okay, I need to step back and I need to slow things down and figure out what I can either take off my plate, say no to, or uh, find a different way to approach it. Yeah. And I reached out to other therapists, other group uh, owners, support from family and friends. I mean, yeah, so. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing of, mm-hmm. of people that we've talked, I've talked to in healthcare. Um, you know, a lot of, of other folks that I've spoken to have a, you know, 
uh, an office, a unit, mm -hmm. the ER, the ICU, there are people in the immediate vicinity yes. and the, hey, my co-workers mm -hmm. and sometimes the word co-worker is substituted for my colleagues, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. that idea of they understand, mm -hmm. I don't have to tell them half the story because yeah. they already know it, yeah. um, it doesn't surprise me that you say that. Yeah, yeah, that was a big piece of it, is really reaching out to each other and supporting my employees, my therapists who are employees, and then uh, and giving them a place to come, mm -hmm. but then also reaching out for my own support. And as we think about um, spring, summer mm -hmm. 2021, um, what are some of the big, the next phase mm -hmm. of the pandemic? What are some of the big mental health challenges, hurdles, obstacles, opportunities that, mm -hmm. that you see? Well, I think that, of course, opportunities, I'll start there, you know, with people being vaccinated. Uh, I now I'm starting to see people in person, so that's hopeful. And, you know, they, um, the in-person connection, oh, I didn't talk about isolation earlier, but isolation is a, is a really a hindrance on our health and our mental health. And so having people in person again, in the office, but then also just being able to go to more events and seeing grandparents who people haven't seen. You know, so some of that social isolation is getting a little bit better. At the same time, it's increasing some people people's anxiety, um, some depression. So you know, because it's changing again. You know, and it it's still uncertain. And a lot of times, there's people who have social anxiety did kind of well during the pandemic because they didn't have to social, you know, so now we're seeing some social anxiety go up, even from people who may not have had it so pronounced before, but now they're like, I've been at home for a year. I don't know, you know, how this is going to go, and I don't know I, how I, to be with people. Right, I used, to go, and, I used to go into a world that I had anxiety in, and then I went into my home, mm -hmm. and I came back out, and the world was different. Yes. What do I do now? And what do I do now, mm. yeah. And the other question is, do I mask, do I not? There's the masking question. Um, what is the protocol? You know, CDC guidelines are changing all the time. So again, like trying to figure that out gives some anxiety. And I mentioned the, the trauma and the grief. And I think those are issues that we're going to start. The ripples are just going to keep coming. The ripple effects from those um, from the year will keep coming down the line because we haven't really dealt with it yet. Our bodies went through a lot. Uh, our our nervous systems from the trauma. Our you know our neurobiology has has changed. And we are, we're going to have to figure out how to reorganize and yeah. So I think that we'll continue to see the effects of of the year for a little while to come. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I <clears throat> as a doctor, I only recently have I started mm -hmm. to think about and process the fall because there was just mm -hmm. so much work yeah. to do. Um, you know, I, I'm starting to tell patients now, like, hey, I put on a brave face, mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I did that because I was here for you, um, but I know exactly what you mean, and I'm, I'm starting to just go through mm -hmm. and um, reconnect with, with people, especially some experiences mm -hmm. that I had in the hospital in the winter, mm -hmm. and now I find that it's been six months, but I'm talking to the people involved. Um, we did not have a chance to decompress right. from, from anything, from people who died yeah. or these horrible situations that I, I really, I haven't even really thought about yet. Mm -hmm. And I know exactly what you mean, how uh, all of us have dual roles. Mm -hmm. I do this job, I perform, uh, I likewise am a parent. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I, I felt that I would often come home and mm-hmm. not process my day because to pick up the messiness of home, yeah. figurative and otherwise, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and and you're present for each one of those roles, mm-hmm. and at the same time, the other one doesn't stop. It's still you know still happening, whether you're at home or at at work, you know. So it's that um, just dealing with all of the things that happened during the whole year. Everybody on whatever role. I mean, some people lost jobs and, you know, all of the things that changed and are different now are going to take a while to process still. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't seek help during the pandemic because they were just one day at a time, one day, you know, just got to get through, got to get through. And now I think people are taking a breath and they're like, oh, okay, now I need to figure some of this stuff out. I think especially substance abuse too. I think some people did pick up some substance abuse um, use, you know, they were drinking more wine or, you know, more beer or, you know, even eating, some eating disordered things, you know, so I think people are also still dealing with some of that too. And um, as we as we think about going forward, I've, I've asked a lot of healthcare workers this, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're battle tested by the pandemic. Um, your experience, your toolkit, your toolbox. Mm-hmm. What are the things you're going to take from this where you say, you know what, I never would have chosen this experience, but I mm-hmm. learned some key things and I want to carry them forward? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say telehealth is something that we will probably carry forward. We are able to reach all of West Virginia now. Um, licensing is tricky when telehealth is involved, um, but we do have clients in, you know, Charleston and in Morgantown, you know, and even clients who are local still prefer, um, still prefer telehealth. And I think that will continue. I think it has its benefits as far as access and hopefully insurance continues to cover it. And um, then I would also want to say that I, um, I started doing equine psychotherapy for my clients as part of uh, treatment. And I wasn't sure how that would show up. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That's something I don't sure. know a whole lot about. Yeah. So you, uh, the, the horse helps facilitate the session and it's a very relational approach to therapy and it's very experiential so you're you're there with the horse and you're experiencing a relationship with the horse and a lot of things come up so um but you can work on boundaries and confidence you know being with this big animal can help you feel pretty confident and through through accomplishment and um, doing different tasks with them but yeah we do it's all groundwork it's not riding and uh, just um but a lot of it is being outside. It's, you know, everyone's been inside and their offices and things like that. And what I'm going to carry forward is making sure that that's a part of my practice. I, before pandemic, I was interested and I was doing a training and things like that, but I've pushed it forward even more, I think, because of the pandemic and made it a priority for my practice because for me personally, um, I just find being outside and just nature and watching the horses and interacting with the horses that alone is therapeutic but then yeah the the skills that they're learning and and things like that is something as a as a clinical practice I want to carry forward so well Colleen I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak to healthcare as human absolutely thank Thank you you. I appreciate the opportunity well that wraps up another episode of healthcare as human 
Thank you for stopping by to hear another story from our healthcare ecosystem. You've been listening to Healthcare is Human, stories from the healthcare ecosystem, ideas to change our health culture. This project was created by Ryan McCarthy. It was inspired by the hardworking staff of the Berkeley Medical Center. Be sure to check out the Healthcare is Human Facebook page to see amazing photographs by Molly Humphreys of Shepherdstown, West Virginia. You can find Molly's world-class portfolio by searching for Piccadilly Posh. Original music is by Isaac McCarthy, the one-man band. Kim Mattioli engineers the podcast. Some of our stories are featured in 100 Days in Appalachia. Check them out online at 100daysinappalachia.com. This project is supported by a grant from the West Virginia Humanities Council. Thanks to the Reed College of Media at our Mountain Mama, West Virginia University. Mountaineers go first. And remember, the next time you go to the hospital, a clinic, and urgent care, be sure to keep in mind that healthcare is human. human.